Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. Portions of the Oilers Now podcast are brought to you by ProAmSports.ca. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's 1234 Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers Now. Uh, you can text us on our Westlock Ford text line. You're going to get a chuckle out of this one. I change off Chet every day at 9 a.m. and change it back at noon. Imagine my horror when I was back at uh, Chet today at 1210 and I heard that voice of Jesperson. You lost a listener. I can't risk it again. Hey, just so the texter knows, I scare off listeners every day. And we don't always just talk about Oilers on this show. Okay? So, you know... Once in a while, we get into a conference. The team hasn't played a game since April the 7th, five weeks ago. Okay, we're still two weeks away from the combine and five or five and a half, six weeks away from the draft. It's not going to be all Oilers all the time. Like, if I could, I would probably talk a little bit more about the Edmonton Eskimos or a little bit more about the teams at the University of Alberta. Geez, sometimes when I'm on the road, I even sneak off. Instead of going out for dinner with the boys, go back to the hotel room and plug in the U of A game on the webcast and listen to Dustin Nielsen call on the game. Because you know why? Because I care about the teams. So we're allowed to have a little bit of variance in life. The Hockey Helps Homeless event is taking place this weekend. And uh, Louis DeBrusque is going to be uh, one of the numerous uh, former NHL players that's going to be participating in that. He is a regular contributor to Oilers. Now, hello, Louis. How are you doing? Hey, Bob, how you doing? Good. Doing good. And you know what? You also like to play football from time to time as well. Yes, yes. Uh, should we... I think, I think your nickname was the Rhino. I when was... Got, I was the Rhino. Oh, I thought it was... I thought it was Spear Chucker. <laughs> you know what? You, you were... You're a pretty tough adversary, let's put it that way. I don't know if I'd want to play full contact with you coming through the middle at full speed. Louie, you have 50 pounds on me. Yeah. Well, maybe not 50. Unfortunately, it's probably closer to 30. But uh, I, I seriously, man, I thought we should explain. So what we would do is we would play five-on-five or six-on-six football in every warm uh, market that we could get to during the course of the winter. Mike Beely, who was the shooter for the show Oil Change, he supplied the football. Uh, and then we paired individuals. So Jack and me, as an example, never ended up in the same team because while well, we both wanted to lead the respective team, Kevin Quinn was a very deceptive wide receiver. Tell you what, tell you what, the old guy still got hands. He's got the height and yeah. uh, he's got the intelligence. You can tell he's played a little basketball, a little volleyball, and you know what? He was sneaky. It was hard to cover that guy. Good shape. I, I will he, tell you this. Forget about it. Forget about it. I mean, once he gets on a straightaway, he's gone. Yeah. Well, I, think, I think he jogs at about eight or nine miles an hour. There is there there is one guy that could blow. Actually, there's a couple guys now. We have a, a shooter by the name of Mojo, like that's pretty quick. Yep. But you know uh, Chad Drummond, the the trainer for the Oilers. Yep. 
who's the best athlete in the entire Oilers room. And by the way, Chad is a uh, – uh, he's only got one arm, and that doesn't stop him from playing any sport. He's unbelievable. And I know he's got an, an infinite – he uses a prosthetic arm. And, and to show you yep. a, as to my lack of attention to detail, the first couple of weeks that I trained at Body by Bennett back in 2007, I, Chad wore long sleeve shirts, and I was like, why does he always favor that one? I had no idea. Right, just because he was that that strong that he could. So, what an I remember, athlete! I remember one game in Dallas. He was the MVP. Oh. He was unbelievable. Like you could yep. you could throw one up forty yards, forty five yards, and he'd run under it, and you couldn't outthrow him. Like he was just that fast. Well, you couldn't outrun him either. <laughs> no, you weren't outrunning him. That was a mismatch in the open field. We found that out pretty quick. Okay, this guy's a tough guy to cover. <laughs> hey, hey, Louis. Before we get to uh, so we've got the hockey helps the uh, homeless yeah. this weekend out at yep. uh, Twilliger. You're looking forward to that event? I am looking forward to it. You know what? It's uh, it's a great event for a great cause. I've been a part of it a few times, and uh, Ron and Linda Lower back on board. I know Robin Brownlee's on board with it as well this year. And there's uh, 20 teams of men and women will be playing on Friday all day at Twilliger Rec Center and. It's just, it's just for a great cause. We have our, our dinner and draft and stuff tomorrow night at Red's over in uh, South Common, which will be a good time. And then, uh, you know what, it's about raising money for a great cause, and they've done a terrific job uh, here in Edmonton. And the thing I like about it, Bob, is that all the proceeds stay here in Edmonton for Edmonton people, which is great. Yeah. It goes directly into the Edmonton market, which is uh, which is important. And, uh, yeah, you know what, it's, it's one of those things that uh, we can get together and, and put on a good... Uh, a good couple of days for a great cause, and I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be a part of it again. All right, awesome stuff. Uh, who, which, which former player skates the best? Ooh, good question. You know what? Um, former player skates the best. I would probably say, believe it or not, a guy like Sean Brown um, is terrific skater. Chris Joseph in the past. I mean, you can't catch that guy. Forget about it. He's still in terrific shape. Um, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of guys. What about that, Sean Bell? Um, well, I mean, Beller, I mean, he's, you know, thank God that guy wasn't a tough guy fighter because he scares me every time I see him. I always say to him, I say, you're all swollen up. you got bumps all over your body. You know, you're he's just so big and powerful. I mean, but uh, he can still fly. He's still got that great release, too. He's got a great shot. Oh, yeah. Shot you know, I, there was a guy, and he was in that 2003. He was the last pick in the... 2003 NHL entry draft, and I thought he, you know, it just sometimes it doesn't work out for guys, right? And you know, you know what I'm as saying. As much as I, as much as I hate to say it, I might have to give Jason Strubick a little bit of love too, because I think he skates pretty well for a guy that wasn't a great skater to begin with, but he hasn't dropped off that much, so. Him and I have a pretty good feud in these charity events sometimes. We try and outdo one another. Well, you know with what our, I hear? With our, great, with our great hands. Wasn't he pretty good in the room, too? <laughs> oh, yeah, he was great in the room. You know, you know what? <laughs> you don't play as long as he did without being great in the room. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. He's as a guy who was never particularly good in the room, <laughs> yeah. I can see what a guy's great in the room. Hey, uh, yeah. we got an update out of Boston today. Uh, we'll get to Vegas in a second, Lou. Uh, but uh, Jake DeBras dealing with a bit of a shoulder issue. Yeah, you know, and to be truthfully honest with you, Bob, I mean, I've gotten vague reports from him throughout the playoffs. I knew it was really painful for him. I knew he was playing through a lot, but uh, I didn't know the extent of it. I didn't know, I'm not even sure if they do still know the extent of it, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, he was dealing with it. And that's just playoff hockey, right? It was... You heard it in the first round, and as you continue to go, you continue to get um, 
it continues to get worse. You know, that's the only thing. You're playing every second night. You're playing physical, hard hockey, and he wasn't the only one. I think on every team you're going to look and see guys that are uh, that are nicked up, banged up, and he was no different. It was, you know, for him it was a a huge learning lesson of how difficult it is to win in the playoffs and compete each and every night. And I thought he did a great job and was brave to battle through it. And you know what? Uh, something that he can certainly take into the off season and, and and work on. But yeah, dealing with a little bit of a shoulder issue there that. Uh, was certainly painful for him, no question about that. Louis, some of the Oilers fans still haven't forgotten what happened during the Anaheim series last year. That series won seven games. Uh, some of the Ducks veteran players, you know, they got those veteran calls that Edmonton didn't get. The Oilers lost in seven, lost three one-goal games. So a key call at a different time may have changed the complexion. Case in point, uh, you know, if they disallowed the game tire in game five. I mean, that's water under the bridge at this stage. But Boston's fresh off of a five-game series loss in which there were, you know, they were shorthanded a lot more than Tampa Bay. Uh, again, they lose in five. Like, to me, it's a different conversation if they lose in six and seven because I think Tampa Bay, at the end of the day, was just better and a, a little bit healthier on defense. Dude, let's not forget Tory oh. Crew going out. I mean, they'd already lost Carlo, so that's two of their top five defensemen. Uh, they were pretty banged up on D. You know what, they were dealing with some injuries, I think, throughout their whole lineup. But you're right, I, I do agree that I think Tampa Bay was the healthier team. I mean, I looked at their team, that's the healthiest they've been all year long. They're peaking at the right time. And uh, they were just better. You know what, they were faster, they were quicker. Uh, they made the best of their opportunities. I mean, Game 4 still went to overtime. Could have been a 2-2 series going back to Tampa Bay if it wasn't for Girardi's goal. And you know what? That's the way the playoffs go, though. Give that Tampa Bay Lightning a lot of credit. I think they're going to be a very difficult team to beat if they continue to play the way they're playing right now. I, From what I saw, they dismantled Boston, which I didn't think was going to happen. Um, they certainly did slow down Boston from a seven-game series in round one versus Toronto, which was also a difficult series to go right into that series. I think it hurt them. I think they ran out of gas. I really do. But credit Tampa. They put the pedal to the metal. They did not relent. And... You know, we're seeing a guy like Braden Point from this area really oh, yeah. break out and have a, a terrific playoffs. He's always been a great player, and I think uh, he's really starting to burst onto the scene now. We saw what he did at the All-Star game in the speed um, contest against Connor McDavid, finished second. Um, you know what? He's a hell of a player, and, and that's just another guy that makes them deeper than they were two years ago when they went to the Cup final. I mean, this is a team that uh, you know is now fully healthy and ready to really push again. Jerry Johansson is not, he's uh, the agent for Braden Point. He is not a master of hyperbole. In other words, he doesn't sit there and talk for the sake of talking. But I remember three or four years ago him telling me, Bob, I've got this player, and he's going to be way better than people think down the road. <laughs> you know, I had, the, I had the luxury of seeing Braden Point when he was, I don't know, nine, ten years old, eight. I mean, really? When he first started skating. Yeah, he used to play against Jake in minor hockey growing all the way up. He, he's played against Jake at every level. And uh, you know what? He, he he was doing the things at that age that he's doing now. Where he hasn't changed. I mean, that's the that's the most amazing thing, is that he is the exact same wow. player that he was as a kid. And uh, you know, they had Bryson Martin on that team, Braden Point, Reed Duke. I mean, their Cal that Calgary team was absolutely dominant growing up. That was the team that everybody strove to beat and everybody wanted to be like. Uh, once the kids got older into Bantam, uh, you know what? That Southside Athletic Club team did a real good job against them, and they finally beat them. But uh, they had 10 kids that were drafted off that Bantam team. So, you know what? It, it was it was great to watch him come up. I was surprised he went as late as he did in the draft, Braden Point. But you know what? It just goes to show you it doesn't really matter. You come in, and he, he's proven himself as uh, 
as a tremendous two-way guy. And, you know, some great compliments from John Cooper. He said that uh, he thinks he'll win a Celtic one day. That's the kind of player that he is. Uh, he's, a, he's an absolute driver for that hockey team. Louis DeBras from NHL Hockey and Rogers joining us. Louis, you were a hard-nosed, tough player. I mean, you were an enforcer. I don't know if anybody would have been brave enough to lick you across the face. <laughs> What would you have done if what's what's the weirdest thing an opposition player ever did? I can't even. You know what? what? I I don't remember anything like that to be honest. Um, you know. You ever had a guy blow kisses at you? Didn't Barnaby used to blow kisses? Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't even recall that happening. I I don't. Uh, that was just strange to me. You know what? I uh, I know he did it a couple times before. There's two sides to it always, and I think for Brad Marchand, if you look at him, and especially in that series with Tampa Bay and throughout this year, listen, he's made a bed that he's got to sleep in with the way he's played. Yes. No question. So he does not get the calls. And I'll say this as a, as a dad of a guy that plays on his team, and I've watched every single game of theirs this year, for a star player in the league, boy, oh, boy, does that guy not get calls. It's unbelievable. He gets absolutely abused out there, and... He doesn't get the calls from the officials, and I don't like that because, to me, he hasn't really done anything against the officials. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they should just be officiating the game. But we know that's not how it always works, and uh, he's going to have to live with that because he's made that bet. So I think, to some degree, it's kind of his way of kind of acting out, if that makes any sense. But the one thing is for certain, the league has talked to him now about this, and it's it's, it became a distraction. It became a distraction on a very good team and a guy that's way too good to be that much of a distraction. I don't mind being on the edge, though. If you're going to play on the edge, that's great. And I, I think he has to play that way because, you know, there was a part of the time in the season where he started to go away from it. Uh, when he got suspended and he came back, he was it was like Happy Gilmore in the movie when he got all dressed up in the polo shirt and he started to not be Happy Gilmore. He wasn't the same type of player. And that's the same thing with Brad Marchand. He has to be that type of a player. But there is a line that he has to not cross, and he crossed it a couple of times. And it'll be important for him to dial that back in and start to rebuild that a little bit as far as a reputation with the officials, with the league. But I don't want him to change being that testy, hard-nosed, and even dirty at times kind of player to play against because that's what he has done his whole life, and that's what makes him the player that he is. And he is an amazing talent. So... He's a guy you love to hate because he does some amazing things out there, but that might have been just a little bit too far. Louis, which player when you played hot dog the most after scoring? Or, <laughs> or geez, you know what? It's funny, you know, there is, it's the guys that score a lot of goals, um, aside from Alexander Ovechkin, who loves to celebrate. He's the guy that's made it okay to celebrate after yep. scoring fifth because, you know, he scores a ton of goals, the most of anybody since he's been in the league, and he celebrates hard when he scores. So the young generation coming up celebrates, and that's I'm okay with that. I am. I really am. You know what? Goals are really hard to come by. So when you score them, don't be afraid to celebrate. And then there's the other side, like the Joey Sackings, you know, that would that would shelf it, get his third goal of the game, and you know, a little tiny sly grin would come on his face, and he'd give a couple high fives, and that was it. You know, like he just he just dialed it in. He was such a pro, and it was like I've done this before. So there's kind of that. There's there's a mixture. There's the high end and the low end. Um, obviously, Neil Yakupov comes to mind here in Edmonton. His yes. celebration of his first goal, maybe a little too far. You know, you obviously sliding down the ice. Um, but you know what? 
it's to each their own. And again, like Brad Marchand, when you when you are that guy, you've made that bed. You've kind of made that reputation for yourself. If you're a guy that celebrates, then you're going to take the extra whack every once in a while because guys don't like it. Um, and that's okay. If you're okay with that, then continue to celebrate. I mean, I don't mind that at all. If you're willing to go back out there and say, you know what, I'll rub it in your face and I don't care, let's go, then that's, that's what you're going to have to expect. But uh, I, I can't really recall guys that uh, – I think the guys that didn't score that goals very often, I even pumpernickled a couple times when I scored. Are you kidding me? When you score sometimes a goal a year apart, you better celebrate. Bernie Nichols was – that's where the pumpernickel came from in the 1982 yeah, yeah. playoffs against the Oilers. Well, you know, I looked at Gretz, you know, who scored the most goals of anybody, and he celebrated. He loved scoring goals. He absolutely oh, loved yeah. scoring goals. So if you want to score goals, you better love scoring goals. And if you love it that much, then show it. Louis DeBrus from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Bob Stoffer with you in Oilers now. Louis, uh, my daughter Tori and me were watching Vegas against L.A. I took the Kings – and I became a believer in Vegas halfway through the second period, uh, second period of the second game. Tori looked at me and she goes, "Dad, you're going to be wrong. These guys are good." <laughs> and I was in game two of that series. Uh, they took care of business against San Jose. At what point you worked the last two series? At what point did you realize they were more than just a regular season uh, phenomenon? Well, you know, I think initially right away when they came out in game one versus LA, yeah, um, their pace. Uh, their play, their intensity, they rolled four lines, everybody. It was incredible in that building, too, in Las Vegas. So right away, that, that was a statement made. I mean, in the first 10 minutes, it was wow. But then when L.A. pushed back, the thing that impressed me the most, and they were the eighth-best team at goals per game against in the league, they could defend. They, and you know what? They got great goaltending, but they were, they were a stingy, hard team to play against. They battled in every loose puck. They collapsed. So their defensive game impressed me as well. Not just the offense that they've been getting, because they've been getting the offense from key guys. It's the defensive game that they can play with. Um, you know, for me, game three. Game three, when L.A. came out, they got the one nothing lead. It was the first time they had the lead in the series, and they held it all the way to the third period. And then bang, bang, bang. Within a, within a six-minute period, the Vegas Golden Knights scored three goals and were up 3-1. And the, the look on the... The Los Angeles bench was just, are you kidding me? We, this is how we play. We shut teams down. We get a lead. We couldn't get the next one, but we can still hold on to this lead. And in a flash, it was gone. And I think that was when L.A. said, man, we're dealing with a different animal here. Also, in the double overtime in game two, it started to really take take a toll on, I believe, guys like Andre Kopitar. Andre Kopitar has a tank as big as anybody in the National Hockey League. He can play a lot of minutes. But can he play those minutes at the pace that Vegas was pushing him to? And I'd see him between the benches come right off beside me, and I've never seen Andre Kopitar that tired. He was absolutely exhausted. Now, granted, I'm going to give him a lot of credit because he was getting double-shifted. He was getting thrown out there in succession. He was taking longer shifts, and he was defending. But the pace and intensity that Vegas plays with will wear anybody down if you try and go head-to-head with them, and especially double-shift your top lines. You have to have a deep line that can go head-to-head with them, and both San Jose and Vegas couldn't run with them. Now, the San Jose series could have gone either way with a couple overtime games, too. They did a much better job at sustaining that attack against Vegas. And listen, Las Vegas was opportunistic, but I still do believe the pace wore them down a bit. It's it's incredible the pace they play with, and that's what he eventually got to to L.A., and they finished them off 1-0 in Game 4. So I'm a believer. You know what? Listen, it's a great story. 
Um, and they've made good on that story, which I like. You know, it was a great regular. I would have hated to see them go in the first round right. and say, okay, they're a great regular season team. They've now gone through two rounds. So everybody said they were playing with house money going into the playoffs. They're playing with mega house money now. It doesn't matter. This is now like, okay, let's see what they can do in a conference final. They're going to go up against a very good team, either Nashville or Winnipeg. Looking forward to that game seven tomorrow night. It's going to be fantastic. Who are you taking? You know what? Who are you taking? Well, you know what? I want Winnipeg to win. I'm not so do I. I want, I want the Canadian team to go through. I mean, call me selfish, whatever. That's that's what I want. I want I want to see a Canadian team come through. But I think it also really slams home just how good this national team is. Everybody thought it was a fluke going to the Stanley Cup final last year. They've walked right through and said, no, not a fluke. We've just gotten better. And these are two very, very good teams going head-to-head. I mean, uh, I'm going to I'm gonna cross my fingers and go for Winnipeg, but I think Nashville is going to be tough to beat in the game seven. All right, we agree on that. Louie, best of luck. Have fun with the Hockey uh, Helps the Homeless event this weekend. HockeyHelpsTheHomeless.com is the website, and they are in need of volunteers if people want to go out and help on that front. Great stuff, Lou Dog. Take care. Thanks, Bob. That's Louis DeBrus from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Follow the sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Reminder that every Wednesday night is date night at Roos Chris, where two can dine for $120. We will take a two-minute break, come back, and tell you about a guy who won an award who's a terrific story himself. This is Oilers Now. When you want to fly your Oilers colors with fan gear or outfit your fan cave, there's only one place. ProAmSports.ca Jerseys, apparel, headwear, and memorabilia from your favorite players and teams. Whether it's the NHL, the CFL, the NFL, MLB, or more, ProAm Sports are your fan cave specialists. And if it comes with a ProAm Sports Certificate of Authenticity and hologram, you know it's 100% authentic, hand-signed memorabilia. So no matter who you cheer for, ProAm Sports has got your guy. Visit their Edmonton showroom on St. Albert Trail. Fill your fan cave at proamsports.ca. That's proamsports.ca. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 12.57 in Edmonton. If you're looking for a fun destination this year, take the kids to Disneyland. The happiest place on earth for the kids. Fabulous, fun, great food. Just, just kidding. Uh, fabulous fun, great food, warm weather. Book now with New West Travel. Your Disneyland California package includes non-stop airfare, four-star hotel for seven nights, five-day attractions pass for reservations. Call uh, to Disneyland. Call the travel experts at New West Travel, 780-432-7446 or book online at newwesttravel.com. Just so you know, the Grand Californian is within 125 uh, yards of the ESPN Sports Zone. Just, just throwing that out there if you're heading off to Disneyland. I'll put that in my back pocket there, there, I'm pretty sure my wife and I at some point will take our kids down there. Y- yes. That's when you become a real parent. When that's you right. shell out and there are, hey, there, there are some, the cars ride is fun. Yep. You know, I'm a big fan of Splash Mountain. We did a whole show on this one time, by the way. I will get <laughs> to your texts on sports energy drinks. I, I wanted to put a, a shout out to Jason Hills, who uh, is a longtime Edmonton area writer. Uh, He has quite the personal story, and he uh, was awarded the Gus Collins Award 
by uh, my former uh, compatriots, the Canada West SIDs. I was the SID at the University of Alberta uh, for his contributions uh, from a media perspective uh, to support specifically uh, U Sports or what we used to know as CIAU or CIS Sports. For those of you that don't know, uh, Jason Hills has been involved with uh, Mothers Against uh, Drunk Drivers, MAD, for a long time. He lost his parents back in 1985 uh, to uh, a vehicular homicide that took place. Uh, we will uh, take a timeout, go off to a uh, global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. And when we come back, we'll talk to the new head coach of the Dallas Stars, Jim Montgomery, former head coach at Denver University. This is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.